0: forfeit their life indeed what can they give in return for their life those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them the son of man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god all right let's see how we're doing here I mentioned earlier, I think we did this a couple of a couple of years ago, but the names have changed, so let's let's review the list. The most popular uh, baby names in 2024 We've had a couple of guesses come online, and I'm not sure if this person was trying to be funny or not, but one of them was Stephen and it's not up there. so don't have to worry about that. Uh, another one was Julie. And and that's not on the top five list. So so what do you guys think? Let's start with the girls. The top five baby names, 2024. What what do you think? Just shout out a name. Madison. Madison? Not there. Top ten, but not in the top five. <laughs> what is it? Winter. Winter. No. I like that though. What's that? Nevaeh. Nevaeh's not there. Uh, Alice. No. But it's interesting because some of the old-fashioned names are getting more popular again. Again. Yes. What is it? Harbor. No, Harbor is not. Stephen? Amanda. Not Amanda. Ralph? Chloe? Chloe? Nope. Yes. Yes. yes? Could it be Rachel or Gail? Not Rachel or Gail. Nora. Yes. Nora is not. <laughs> that was popular. What? Edith, Edith is not. No, Brooke is not. No, like, What's that? Claire, no. Claire is not. Ella, Caitlin, you guys are terrible at this, by the way. Autumn is not. Hazel, no. Emily, no. Emma, finally, ding, 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 good. Yes. So that's number four. So, so here are the names in order, and the first four you'll notice start end with a, uh, and there's a little Italian in here. So, the most popular baby girl's name, Olivia. Olivia's most popular. Number two is Amelia. Amelia. Number three is Sophia. And then Emma. So all these names end with, uh, and then the fifth is Charlotte. So the top five are Olivia, Amelia, Sophia, Emma, Charlotte. Now, what a couple of names have nosed into the top 10, which I find interesting. One is Aurora. Aurora, which is interesting to me because I was born in Aurora, Illinois. And the other one is Luna. Luna, L U N A. I don't know if that's Harry Potter inspired or not, but Luna. Okay, let's hope you do better with the boys' names. So the top five boys' names, what do you think? No, who said that? Right there, number one. Good job. Yeah, what do you think? What about Ray or Blake? Ray or Blake is not there. Liam? Liam is up there. You guys are doing much better with the boys' names. Liam is number two. So we got number one, Noah. Number two, Liam. Adam is not there. Aiden used to be. Aiden was way up there, but is now in the top five, but not in the top Michael is in the top ten, but not in the top five. Michael has been a long-standing popular name. Jonathan is not. William is not. Logan is not. Jim? Ignatius is not. <laughs> Why do I call on him anyway? I, yes? What about Floyd? Not Floyd. You? What is it? Oliver. Oliver is. Good. So we have the top three. So here are the top five. We've got Noah. Very biblical. We've got Liam. We've got Oliver. Elijah. That's a good biblical name. And then Lucas. So here's your top 5. Noah, Liam, Oliver, Elijah and Lucas. Here's two that are fairly new but are gaining popularity. Asher. Have you heard that name Asher before? So Asher and then here's another different one, Mateo. M A T E O, Mateo. So so those are your top 5 names as of 2024. It's kind of interesting to look at these lists because they do change fairly frequently. And it's also interesting to me what these names mean. Your name means something. Each one of these names means something. Olivia is associated with olive, Olivia, olive tree, and that's a symbol of peace and friendship. So Olivia means peace and friendship. Amelia means industrious. Sophia means wisdom. Going over to the boys' names, Noah means motion. Noah means motion. Liam means protector. Oliver means the same as Olivia, means peace and friendship. And Lucas means bringer of light. So there's your update. Do you guys know what your names mean? Each one of our names means something. My name, Stephen, I spell it with a V. Um, But if you look it up, it almost always comes up, P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Stephen. That means crowned one. It should say shiny one, but it's crowned one. I wonder what your name means. And here's what's interesting about our scriptures this morning. Whenever we see a name change, it usually indicates there's a mission change going on. And we find that in today's scriptures. So what's happening in Genesis today? In Genesis today, we find God wants to create a conduit. God wants to create a vehicle through which God's presence becomes known in the world. And the way he chooses to do this is to create a new nation, a nation that will be a light unto the other nations. And in order to create a nation, you've got to start with a dude and you've got to start with a gal. And God chooses Abram, not Abraham, but Abram as his guy. And as is often the case, almost always the case, God chooses unlikely people to do really awesome things. And Abram and Sarah are a great example. It describes him as 99 years old, without children. Why why choose them? Why not choose somebody that's prolific at producing lots of babies or somebody rich or somebody politically powerful? But that's not who God chooses. Somebody who's 99 years old in retirement, settled in their ways, and God chooses them to go what to where is a place that is unfamiliar to them and to populate a nation. And so we see in our scriptures in the Old Testament the result of this, don't we? We see the timeline played out, and we see Israel born, and we see Israel carried into the New Testament. But with that mission, we find a name change. Abram was his name, which means exalted father. Now he's Abraham, which means father of nations, And we see that played out literally in the life of Abram. Sarai was her name, which means princess, is changed to Sarah, which means mother of nations. So with a name change, we find a change of purpose, a change of mission. And we see this replete throughout the scriptures. Let's let's see if we can think of some. So remember Jacob? Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Jacob was a twin, had a twin brother, Esau, and Jacob was the second one born. Jacob means one who follows. I'm, I'm also a twin, and I was born second. My brother Sean was born five minutes before, so it seems like they should have named me Jacob. Uh, but my name is Stephen. Uh, Jacob also, if you look, look it up, means one who grabs a heel, which seems strange. But remember, Esau is born first. So we have this metaphor, this imagery of of Jacob grabbing Esau's heel as Esau is born and and Jacob follows. I don't remember grabbing my brother's heel as he was born. Uh, But we see a name change going on here. So Jacob grows, and as he becomes older, we find in the scriptures that he's struggling. He's struggling in his spirituality. He's struggling in in his relationship with God. And in the scriptures, we have this rather bizarre description of Jacob struggling with an angel. And this is supposed to be emblematic of Jacob just struggling with God, like we do sometimes. But on the other end of that, we find Jacob in a different place spiritually, and he is renamed Israel. The name Israel means one who experiences God persevering in their lives, and they've shortened that to God perseveres. So here's Jacob, changed to Israel and we sense his mission has now changed. He's in a different place now. And Israel means God perseveres. What about Jesus's conversation with the disciples? Remember Jesus's popularity is growing. People are following him and Jesus looks at the people and he asks the disciples, who do these people say that I am? And the disciples respond, well, some think you're John the Baptist brought back to life. Some think you're Elijah brought back to life. Some think you're a prophet. And then Jesus asks them, the disciples, who do you say that I am? Good old Peter, always the first one to speak up, says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And Jesus goes to him, and we can imagine maybe him putting his hands on Peter's shoulder, Simon's shoulders, and saying, Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. Petros, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. So Simon goes to Peter and we see Peter's mission changing right he He's kind of become now, according to Jesus' edict, he is going to be the one the church is built on. He becomes kind of the lead disciple and we see this happening in other places. Just think of Saul and Paul, the two names now now saul wasn't didn't really have his name changed to Paul. Saul is the Hebrew uh name for Paul, and Paul is the Gentile name for Saul, but certainly we see his his mission changing in his life. When I think about Paul, when he was a Pharisee, a highly educated and respected Pharisee, but a persecutor of the early church, I kind of put him in the Saul category, mighty Pharisee, but then he has his incredible conversion experience on the road to Damascus, and that's when I kind of think of him as Paul. And it's interesting what the name Paul means. Paul, that name means One who is humble. And I like that. Because when you think of Saul, the persecutor, you think of somebody full of themselves. I got all the answers, and we're going to get these Jesus followers. But then when he becomes Paul, he becomes submissive to the ways of Jesus. And he becomes a wicked good church planter. And he becomes the author of most of our New Testament. So we see, at least in my mind, this name change brings about a different identity, and therefore a different mission for Paul. So each one of us have our given names, but today in Jesus's words, he is giving us another name that most of us already have. So again, here's Jesus with his disciples. It's a really cool thing now To follow Jesus because he's been healing people and teaching with authority, and his fame is growing. And what happens with people when their fame is growing, they start to get some people following them. So it's cool to be aboard the Jesus bus. They're going in the right direction. And that's why it must have been so weird and so discouraging and so puzzling as to what Jesus says to them at this time. Popularity is growing, he's going in the right direction. And then we come upon this huge speed bump that is today's scripture reading. What is he talking about? Then he, Jesus, began to teach him that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering? What? That's not what I expect from my Messiah. Where's my political hero? Where's my king? No, that's not what Jesus says. The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and what? Be killed? Be killed? Be killed and after three days rise again. What is he talking about here? And the son of man, did they understand what that meant? That must have been confusing too. That's a name he gives himself, but do they know what he's talking about? And Jesus goes on to talk about what it means to follow him. And this is where the challenge comes in. This is where our name comes in. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, this is what you have to do. So what does the word, the name Christian mean? Christian means Christ follower. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, if you want to be a Christ follower, if you want to be therefore a Christian, there are three things required. And he lists them for us in verse 34. Here's the first thing you need to do if you're going to claim that name. You have to deny yourself. That doesn't sound comfortable. That is antithetical to the way we live. That is antithetical to our DNA. We don't deny ourselves. But it is interesting that we're talking about this during Lent when we do deny ourselves of things. So what does it mean to deny yourself? It simply means that Jesus' priorities become our priorities. Jesus said, what's the most important thing out of all those commandments? Love the Lord your God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. That must become your priority if you're going to be a Christ follower, a Christian, if that's going to be the name that you claim. You need to deny yourself. My priorities become your priorities. What's the second thing you have to do? You have to do something that sounds really hard and very cumbersome. You have to take up the cross of Christ and follow him. Now, what's the very first thing you think about? I think about the scene where Jesus is carrying his own cross and how he really couldn't do it. He needed to have help. It seems really heavy and burdensome to do that. Why would Jesus call us to do that? Well, let's really get to the point of what Jesus is talking about. When you pick up the cross of Christ, you're picking up the cause of Christ, aren't we? He's not talking literally that we have to walk around with a cross. He's talking about, Picking up my cause, my cross. But picking up the cross does bring persecution, and it does bring difficulty when you pick up a cross. Again, his priorities become my priorities. So when you pick up a cross, it might seem burdensome. But here's the thing. When you align yourself with the cause of Christ, all of a sudden you are living your life the way you've been created to live it. And so rather than it becoming cumbersome, it is liberating. It's freeing because finally we've been, we've been carrying around our own junk and our own stuff. But Jesus says, pick up my cross, pick up my cause, and you will find something totally different for your life. And so rather than having an image of being heavy and splinters and hard, Jesus is calling us to something else. Yes, it does come with sacrifice. Yes, it does come with difficulty because we're following something else. But to pick up the cause of Christ, the cross of Christ, oh my goodness, it brings liberation. It brings freedom to us, because again, we've chosen a way to live that we were intended to live. So we deny ourselves, we pick up the cross. The last one is to follow him. That sounds like the easiest part, but in a way, that might be the hardest part, because we live in a world where everything is flowing in this direction. It's like that salmon swimming upstream against the current. The current of the world, our surroundings, is taking us here. It's all about me. It's all about self-importance, about my pride and my position and my wealth. That's the rushing river, and we are called to to swim upstream, that Jesus' priorities become our priorities. And again, that's difficult. That's harder. But again, when we do that, we find... Liberation. We find life as it was intended to live. And so we deny ourselves, we pick up the cross of Christ, and we follow Jesus. That's what it means to claim the name Christian, Christ follower. I want to end with this quick story, and some of you have heard this before. True story. I'm on an airplane going to Duke University several years ago, and I sat next to an elderly gentleman being polite wanted to strike up a conversation with him, and I said, Hi, my name is Steve. What's your name? And he brought his glasses down on his nose and looked down at me, and he said, Well, Sonny, depends who's asking. I thought, don't quite understand what he's saying, but he went on to explain. He said, To my wife, my name is Harold. To my buddies, my name is Harry. To my kids, my name is Pop. To my grandkids, my name is Pop-Pop. So I started to understand it that's true. He has different names. Depends who's asking. His identity, his name was defined through the lens of the person looking at him. And that's true for me, right? My name is Steve. When Judy's upset with me, she throws in the middle name, Stephen Wayne. My name is Pastor. My name is Dad. My name is Bampy, my favorite name. So it's true, isn't it? I My name depends on who's looking at me and who's in relationship with me. Now, put yourself in that position. Think of all the different names you have. You do have different names, depending on who is looking at you, who is in relationship with you. But I'd like to encourage you today, as we journey through Lent, to embrace your name and whatever meaning it is, and whoever is defining that for you. But above all of that... Our names are Christian. Our names are Christ follower. And I pray that in my life, in your life, in the name of this church, Bangor First, United Methodist Church, that is the name of our church, I pray that whatever your name is, that when people see you and the fruit that you produce with word and deed, that your clear name, that your clear identity is Christian, Christ follower. Let's pray about that. Loving God, we're we're thankful for our names that have been given to us and what they mean and how they might mark us and identify us. And today in scripture we've been reminded of those who have had their own names changed and how that turned their life and set before them a new mission. Today we gather with our own individual names, but we also remember that name Christ follower Christian, and how that marks us for a new mission as well. So as we celebrate these names together, as we celebrate the name that has been graced to us in relationship with you, we do pray that the fruit that we produce in our lives that Paul describes in Galatians will mark us as your followers this day and in the days ahead. Amen. Let's stand and sing our second hymn.